you're going to need to stop listening to that song. I can't stop. I get I get hooked on a song or an album or a, an artist, and then I'm stuck on them for about... That's pretty cool. All right. In three, two, one. Go ahead and kick it off, Shane. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we're going to get Roel to do it. That's right. That's right. Roel's doing our word of the day. Go ahead, the Roel. The word of the day is prescient. I have this prescient wine with me as we talk about today's topics. Oh, all right. Prescient, your wine can foresee the future. That's amazing. It's the best wine. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to get me some of that here in a minute. (laughs) All right. Today's uh... episode is brought to you by the fine folks at HTO, bringing you the most prescient of goodness in a plastic cup for your kidneys. Uh, Get your plastic cup, put some marks on it, fill it up with water. Once you're done with that tea, it's delicious. Go for it. Our additional sponsor of the day is Bravado Spice Company. Making hot sauce the way the good Lord intended. Go pick yourself up some crimson hot sauce and put that on your eggs and your tacos and your venison. It'll grow, it'll grow hair on your chest. <laughs> Jesus put it on those fish and that bread when That's they right. brought it in to feed you, those thousands you think, of folks. Why do you think the bread multiplied, buddy? They got that bravado hot sauce on there. Oh, oh. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hold On, I'm Almost There. A show about life's little annoyances, personal growth, dad life and so much more with your hosts frank and shane i still haven't come up with an aka for myself but shane's is gristle so have a seat do them chores or twist a wrench while we dive down the rabbit hole cue music we're sorry the number you have dialed is not in service at this time Close the damn door, man. You're letting all the Wi-Fi out. <laughs> Today's guest, Roel Dionisio, a father, a husband, a Wi-Fi engineer, and a foodie. Please welcome Roel to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. What up? Not necessarily in that order, but hey, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> throw throw us throw us that order. Where 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 do you see yourself at, man? That's I don't know. Sometimes food goes to the straight to the top. You know, depends oh. on the day. <laughs> okay, okay, right on. If you had to put that order on yourself, Shane, where are you at on that? What are you? What are your adjectives, man? Uh, well, it's none of those. Uh, although I do love food, um, I don't know if I could be considered a foodie. Maybe a maybe a barbecue foodie, um, yeah. But uh, you know, probably the the village idiot probably would start number one. I yeah. think, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, hunter gatherer mm-hmm. and uh, father mm-hmm. um, ineptitude at, at at being a craftsman of any kind. <laughs> and then uh, IT guy that only tangentially does IT anymore. My IT winds up being uh, 
and and their phones more than any strict, you know, generalized IT. Okay, okay. So you're a vast discipline of things and people. Maybe yeah. a vast disappointment. Oh, things and people. <laughs> yeah, that would be the title of your book: "Vast Disappointment of People and Things" by Shane. The Village Idiot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I would get that off of Audible just to just to yeah. listen to it, see what It'd it was. Be about. good. It'd be good because <laughs> just taking a chapter from your life. You know, let me let me read you a little chapter from right. vast disappointments and in failures. The, in, the, in the Audible, I lower my voice and I try not to sound uh, too much like a guy in a trailer park. And I'm like, <laughs> it was a fortnight when they came adrift oh in the goodness. wind. <laughs> so speaking of Fortnites, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Roel already man. off topic, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Roel, can you tell us about? Uh, so you have you have kids, right? How many kids do you have? I have two. I have yeah. a, a nine-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. Oh man, wow, that's pretty close to where mine are at. I have a eight-year-old. I have two boys, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. So yeah, man, that's a good times. Yeah, uh, you know, Fortnite. That's all it is right now. Sheesh, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's crazy. Y'all, do y'all ever do any kind of uh, movie nights or anything like that? Yeah, I would say we have that regularly. That's n- never a thing where you go, all right weekend uh saturday movie night or friday movie night it's during covid it could be at i don't know lunchtime <laughs> hey let's watch a movie <laughs> what's you know, uh what your boat <laughs> what's y'all's go-to movies with the kids man oh we're we're big disney guys so mm-hmm. uh any we have disney plus so any movie off of disney plus that that we want to watch uh i think the the last good one that i saw was onward I don't know if you've seen that one. It's basically a, a, a animated movie about two brothers. Um, one of them grew up with his uh, father. The other one was too young, uh, and, and and his father had passed away. So they use magic to try to bring their father back for a day. But it's a, it's a really good movie if you guys haven't seen it. I, I would definitely watch it. My daughter watched that without me, and I was very disappointed because I wanted to see it. Because I think I think the goofier brother is voiced by chris pratt yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and so i was pretty pumped to watch it because i I love everything chris pratt and she watched it without me (laughs) i'm not waiting for you i would have watched it without you too though to be fair like yeah well we do we do live about 45 miles away i mean just a little bit of it sure And, and we're still in houston yeah, I mean, even Disney has that whole thing where you can watch a movie with a friend. Like, I would have invited you and then just started it started it before you were able to join. <laughs> COVID like times, it. right? COVID yeah. times. Uh, Start, gotcha. We're starting <laughs> right at 6 o'clock on the dot. If you're not there, I'm, I'm starting. Yeah. Right. You know, man, we're, we're, we're huge Disney people too, man. Um, I think uh, our, our go-to... Disney movie, and I think I burned us all out on it. Was Ratatouille? Like I could watch that movie over and over again and just never get tired of it. And then we finally did. Yeah. You have you have either of you guys made your kids watch Fox and the Hound? Because when I was a little kid, that was my favorite. I cried so much, man. The Hound. I don't know if I forced them to watch that. Yeah, that's that's a tough movie. Yeah. 
Um, that that's some hardcore animation, though, man. The they don't do them like that anymore. It's, I think it's hard for the kids to sit and watch actual drawn movies. Everything's got to be. It's not kinda, animated. They're bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Fox and the Hound and some of those old ones, even Bambi and some of those, they they they're pretty slow in parts because they're trying to build an emotional connection. Right. You know, and kids don't. Different. They're not into. They're not into that these days. Oh yeah, I try to get them into to knowing about the process because I live here in the Bay Area, so there is this um, Walt Disney Museum in San Francisco, and they they do ha- have the process kind of laid out of how they made these cartoons back in the day, and I try to explain that to my kids, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't get it." <laughs> <laughs> Where's the computer at? Where do you move the mouse? Well, what do you mean the... they fold this? paper and see the animation <laughs> oh my goodness so frank frank yours is ratatouille that's your go-to with the kids yeah well it used to be now it's just kind of a little bit of whatever like uh we, we've been watching uh the mandalorian this week uh, uh getting ready for friday I, i'm yeah. trying to my my family into that because I, I i try to tell them like this is not like any of your other star wars movies this mm-hmm. is this is a dramatic production yeah star wars and it's good it's one of those award worthy like acting and story so i'm excited i'm pumped about it when, i think when- the biggest thing that i love about it the most is um uh farvo is it farvo i don't know how to pronounce his name fabre or fabre yeah the producer um i I love his movies man great great yes he is a genius when it comes to his movies the one he did with the uh the uh, food truck was rewatchable on so many levels that was so good that's another movie i love watching too and and i don't know if you've seen his um Netflix uh, series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just love watching those because he is a big foodie, right? So he learned, tried to learn how to do all this and uh, how to make good food, Cuban, uh, Cuban food, and just seeing somebody who is by profession a movie maker, filmmaker, and seeing that he's also got this passion for food and seeing how he can spend time learning how to do it. I mean, he's on a whole different level, right? So... He he can make time for it, make a movie out of it at the same time. That's yeah, right. Amazing. <laughs> what's uh, what's your go-to movies with your family, Shane? Uh, right now, we've been going through all of the uh, Marvel movies. We've got um, uh, Disney Plus, and I think we've been through all of them that they have available. I think uh, the last one uh, my daughter and I watched for the third time was uh ragnarok because it's just such oh, a fun yeah. movie that's a good one <laughs> I, that's that's one of my favorite marvel movies it's got a lot of comedy in it it's got a lot of heart um they they really let chris hemsworth kind of expand the role of thor and not just be this kind of i'm big tough man it's guy like, he, uh, like an actual godly character is just this yeah to earth and wants to have fun yeah and, he had more he had more flaws and and uh, yeah, that was that was just such a great great movie from beginning to end. That intro is really good too, how it starts off, and mm-hmm. then when he gets back uh, to the home world, and and you've got. Uh, I remember watching it for the first time, and I was like, "Is that Matt Damon?" Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> movie. Matt, Matt Damon playing Loki in an, in an act put on by Loki to glorify Loki. Uh, so good, and then Chris Hemsworth's younger brother. 
maybe older brother actually was playing him in that same play. I thought that was that was classy. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. My, my one of my favorite characters is Loki, and I can't wait for and Loki to have his own show because I think that would be a really fun. You think so? Watch. Like, what what would that look like? Too much chaos, I think. <laughs> Just stirring up trouble because I mean he is the, the the mischief, right? So I think. I don't know. I, I, maybe they can go do something with it. Who knows? But it has to be. I can't remember his name. It has to be that guy um, doing that character. Well, for Loki to be the protagonist is kind of kind of interesting because they have a chance to do kind of like the anti-hero protagonist. Yeah. Whereas every other movie, he's at least somewhat of an antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. So to have him just, you know, see whatever agenda he's trying to achieve, which is probably going to be altruistic, but the backhanded way that he's going to go about, you know, getting whatever the superhero job done uh, will probably be an interesting twist on the character. And if if they can tie that into the rest of the timeline somehow, that would be that would be great. Like the little bits of pieces in between uh, that we don't see in the movie. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So with watching movies and that's, that's a pretty interesting take on, you know, out of all the characters from the Marvel movies, Loki, that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I what, name my phone Loki. Oh, <laughs> dang. <laughs> wow. What's your phone's name, Shane? I know you named your phone. I think it's called Slam's phone. <laughs> my uh my ipad my ipad's name is thunderclap <laughs> francisco francois franklin yep those are all my three other devices <laughs> yeah crazy man so with with being a foodie and watching movies and you know doing a lot of that stuff man are there any um are there any traditions and like maybe some one of a dish or something like that you're really good at making that you hope to pass down to your kids man if you were to ask my wife that (laughs) i'm not very diverse in my my cooking so i typically stick to meats so it's gonna be steak lamb uh, lamb chops um chicken anything to mostly steaks but I, th- I think what, what's really interesting is my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, has really started to enjoy steaks. And right. not, like, not like a well-done steak. She wants it like how I eat it, so medium. And so, you know, we'll cook maybe a kid's dish. But, but it's gotten to the point where one steak is not enough for, like usually me and my wife split a steak. One steak is not good enough anymore. All Whoa. of a sudden, my daughter will be will be saying, I want steak. I don't want this chicken nuggets that you gave me or this macaroni and cheese. I want steak. Nice. <laughs> and so now I have to get two. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, I'll be happy if my kids enjoy my food. My wife is tons more better than I am when it comes to cooking and cooking very different foods. So, uh, I mean, the other day, my son was just saying how um, – like how how much he he loves his mom's cooking, and those are the things that kind of stick to you as you grow older, right? When you come back home after you've 
the one thing you want to do is have your parents cooking. And so that's kind of um, like tradition there. One of the other traditions that's not really a tradition is we also like to eat out a lot. So while we do cook at home, there are times where we enjoy other people's cooking, right? So we have our favorite restaurants. Um, our kids are starting to enjoy sushi now. So like they'll say we want sushi and we definitely don't make sushi at home. So we'll, we'll sometimes door dash that because I mean, a lot of these sushi restaurants don't have outdoor seating. And then we'll eat sushi at the uh, table in front of the TV and watch a movie. Yeah, man. Is there a have you taken your kids to any uh, star dining establishments? Oh. Are y'all are y'all doing the Michelin <laughs> the Michelin tour over there? So I am a big foodie and I will try any restaurant. OK, so I'll, I'll eat anywhere from like McDonald's to Denny's to your your high end establishment. A uh, couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. We went to uh, the French Laundry. Oh, so that's, all right. That is Settle the in, folks. Here expensive we go. Expensive meal I have ever paid for in my life. In my <sighs> life, <laughs> and I I loved every um, piece of food they gave us, and our kids ate there. So we brought our kids. Um, the kids. Okay, maybe I'll try to give people some tips. <laughs> So French Laundry, when I went, did not charge us for kids' meals. I, uh, <laughs> don't, for, for those who don't know French Laundry, it is a three uh, Michelin three-star restaurant by Thomas Keller. He's got other restaurants even in the same area in, in um, Yountsville, which is near Napa. Um, the, the restaurant itself, like they didn't charge us for the kids' meals. The adult meal... I think is around $315 a person. Holy snikes. Yeah, it's it's a lot with and then they have upgrades, right? So of course, you show me what the upgrades are. I'm like, I want the upgrades. Give them to me like waggies. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So uh of course this ends up being a lot, but when they gave the kids meals, the kids meals were like adult meals. They weren't they weren't I was thinking, all right, maybe a couple of chicken fingers. No, it was like real steak that they gave them. They made them real steak. They gave them uh, fresh tomato soup, uh, like like a, any oh, other yeah. dish that would get. So I thought that was great. They they loved the the dishes. I loved it. But I go back, yeah, I gotta yeah. do jobs to afford it. But <laughs> hey, oh man, that is <laughs> that is such an awesome story. Um, one of the books that I just finished reading. Uh, talks about uh, Chef Keller in that he has these six rules that he lives by, and it's essentially um, not not thinking that you're above any job. Because when he started out in the kitchen, he started out as a dishwasher. Yeah, and even now as a chef, if he sees that the dishwasher is kind of falling into the weeds or falling behind, he'll jump in and he'll say, "Hey." you know, let's, let's knock this out so we can get these fresh dishes out because every, every part of the process is a, is a win for the team. And he was very meticulous, even about taking out the trash. You know, when he was, when he was in that job, he would make sure to take the trash out 
every day at the same time, regardless of if the trash bag was full or not, just to make these established habits. And I thought that was so beautiful. Just, I mean, in any, you know, in any workspace that you're in, having this uh, set process to continue to move by and then when others see you move in that manner they begin to want to move in that manner and it just creates this beautiful domino effect so so awesome man i'm super jealous that you got to go there it's and a process i'll tell you because um if you ever go there to the french laundry you don't even have to go inside but right across the street they have their own garden and they get all their produce from that garden and um, when we did eat there at the very end of the meal, we were able to go into the kitchen and meet. Oh, Thomas. Get that out. Kitchen, that kitchen is the cleanest kitchen I've ever seen in my life. Like everything is spotless. They all have their processes down. There's a very uh, particular way they do things. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And one of the other things that uh, he talked about also was that normally you when you hear the chef speak and stuff like that it's a chef yelling at his troops in in this regard he was he was known as a very quiet chef and the reason for that was he said later was that when you're yelling at people uh people have a tendency of backing away from you creating this maybe like fear but when you're soft-spoken people really lean in to listen and you can really feel a the disappointment or the you know the lack of effort that someone put into something that you're working so hard towards when you use a soft voice rather than yelling at someone yeah um it lasts a lot longer i guess the sting Uh, I mean, I I agree. And when we went into the kitchen, I didn't really hear anyone yelling at anyone or talking very loudly. And it it wasn't like a kitchen you see on TV where there's an order and someone says, uh, you know, like, drop a steak and and (laughs) side. Like, it wasn't like that at all. But um, it was a very, like, surreal experience meeting him because I'm a a huge fan of his food. Oh, yeah. I've been to almost all his restaurants. Um, so like on that street, he's got French Laundry. There's another one called Bouchon, which is, I think, a one-star restaurant. And then he's got another one called Ad Hoc, which is more casual. And I love to go to Ad Hoc because they have the best fried chicken. Which one is the one where they tried to serve uh, from nose to – what is it? From nose to tail? I forgot what that um... – <laughs> what that whole thing was. I mean, they don't waste anything. They, you know, they'll cook the ears, they'll yeah. cook the intestines, the ate, uh, put it into a dish, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a, it was a whole thing. Uh, what was what? his name? Go ahead. Which book were you reading? Um, uh, work clean. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, it, it was the, the art of mise en place and, you know, oh, okay. keeping your, keeping your work, area clean and the crazy thing was is that uh i went into reading the book thinking that this person had worked in a kitchen because uh part of the reason i picked it up was because um it was referenced uh he referenced uh kitchen confidential quite a bit in it and i that is one of my all-time favorite books 
And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe since he's referencing that book, I'll really like it. And it turns out this guy never worked in the kitchen at all. <laughs> he's uh, a journalist that just is is enamored with the idea of mise en place in everything that you do. Because, right, it's being ready, being prepared, doing, you know, not waiting for tomorrow what you can do today. And, and that's just so, so great. Did, uh, did either of you guys ever work in a kitchen or, or work in the food industry in any way, like even like a Sonic or something? Does that count? What was that? <laughs> I used to work at McDonald's. Does that count? That Absolutely, counts. that counts. <laughs> food industry. Yeah. I worked very briefly at an old German restaurant with a roommate of mine. He got me a gig there doing uh, Sunday brunch. And I was in charge of the shrimp scampi station. <laughs> I may have or may not have made a lot of people sick because <laughs> I was not ready for the pace at which these older folks were demanding that shrimp scampi. Uh, I had three or four people, you know, just watching me because I'm I'm on top of this uh, bar area and I've got my hot plate and I've got three pans. And there was, uh, you know, either frying up the shrimp or uh, putting the olive oil in with the shrimp. And, you know, my my roommate was in culinary. I went to the Art Institute and he was in the culinary portion of the school. And he's like, hey, man, I need some help. You know, if you want to wake up, I'll pay you and, you know, come work with me. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll give it a go. And, you know, I was just like, what? <laughs> I, I worked with him, I think, three weekends. And he had to let me go. He's like, I'm sorry, dude. You, I got to let you go. This isn't you, working out. You absolutely <laughs> gave a bunch of people E. coli. I'm, I'm sure I made somebody <laughs> sick out there. But, man, my roommate, he could do amazing things with fruit. Like, he could cut them with paring knives, make them look like roses. He would cut watermelons and, you know, just beautiful, beautiful artwork that he could do. He could cook really well also. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wish I could do that, too. <laughs> yeah man but you make you make artwork with wi-fi man heat maps you could oh man oh, i'd go that far <laughs> but hey man if people don't have their wireless they're gonna get angry right i guess it is very close to food restaurant like it is very much one of those thankless jobs where people just demand it they consume it but they take it for granted right so um it's just one of those things. It's it, being in the IT industry for so long, having met, seen different kinds of people. There's sometimes you just gotta let it go and just go back home and decompress and just remember, you know, why you do what you do, and maybe you can change your situation if it's not ideal. But it's just one of those things. Man, what about you, Shane? Man, so like. I know we talk about servant you know, servant leadership and and servitude in the roles that we do, man. Do you do, have you ever worked in the kitchen? Is it I mean, is that I know you said you worked in a barbecue place, but like were you in charge of wrapping the brisket or wrapping the sausage or what so, did you do over there? So I never worked in a in a Michelin star rated kitchen, of course. I don't think I don't know that they have any of those in Oklahoma. They um, might have had Cooper Star rated. Cooper Star, right? <laughs> Bubba, Bubba Star. 
<laughs> but my first job was a in a steak joint, and I was a bus boy. And uh, I think I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I didn't know what I was doing, so they had me wrap potatoes for two hours. Uh, then I went to uh, the next summer because <clears throat> I didn't work during the school year in high school. The next summer I went to Taco Bell, which was the end of the drag, right in our town. So <clears throat> people would. That was kind of the hang. That area was was the main hang at the end of the drag where kids would get together and go get themselves some uh, chicken soft tacos or whatever. And then uh, I worked as a server in college, and then I worked for the barbecue place. And for the barbecue place, I did everything except cook the barbecue because only the manager <laughs> manager was the only one that was allowed to touch the barbecue. I learned a lot watching him, but I made all, you know, all the side orders, uh, cut up the meat, weigh the meat, serve the side orders, cook the, cook the rolls, all that good stuff. Okay. So that, that's where my love for barbecue started. And it probably wasn't even great barbecue. You know, I don't, I don't know at that time, barbecue was not as huge as it is today. I mean, we're talking the mid nineties somewhere. Right. And then that's when you start exploring and finding alternatives or something better, something worse, you know. You right. Know, I, go ahead. I was going to say that 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 experience led me to purchase my first uh, smoker uh, much later in life, probably in my 30s. And I, that's when I started smoking meats and getting into it. I don't even know that I'm really that great at it. I can make something edible that is a, a decent – it's a decent backyard backyard smoker. Right. But I'm not going to compete with, you know, corkscrew or Tejas or any of the places around here. I mean, it's not with that attitude. (laughs) (laughs) So me and a cousin of mine, we were talking about, you know, we talk about or you just said that barbecue wasn't always that big a thing. But I can remember when I was um, younger, you know, me and my cousin would love most Fridays. Uh, my dad and my uncle would say, all right, we're going to order from Lewis's barbecue. And it was this shotgun shack of a place down in Freeport. And I kid you not, man, it, it, it may have been 900 square feet. It was a super duper small place. Um, it was run by this little old black man and his wife. And I think the rest, you know, I think he had two sons also. But man, that was some of the best barbecue. And the place was so old that their pit was still kind of in the back on the side of the the brick. It was a brick building. And you could see like the smoke, how it had um, just created that that barrier of soot where the the you know where the uh, plumes would come out. And I mean, everything there was good. I think his the the guy's wife made these tiny little pecan um, pies, and they had this big old jar of pickled pig's feet with like eggs in there and stuff. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just beautiful i mean and and i don't know that i've ever had again outside of that like you could really taste the love that that family put into their barbecue i mean it was delicious and it was always consistent there was never like you never went there and had a bad experience it was always exactly the same mrs baird's bread with their brisket or their chopped beef or their ribs 
every single time, hands down, always the same. There's there's two places here in Texas that I really want to get to. Uh, the first one's not very far from me. It's fairly new. It's called Two Guys, One Pit. And I, I've not been yet, but I've got them on Facebook, and it looks amazing, right? I mean, pictures, you can make something look good, but you can tell you can tell by looking at brisket uh, in, a, in a photo whether it's good brisket, and it looks incredible. So that's one place I want to go probably in the next month or two. Another place is more of a travel. I don't remember where it is, but it's more towards Hill Country. And it's called Snow's Barbecue. And there's a oh, Netflix yeah. mm-hmm. there's a Netflix series about barbecue. It's like maybe three or four episodes. And the first episode is about Snow's Barbecue and this this old lady that's been cooking barbecue there for years. And uh, it it uh, I, my mouth was watering the whole episode. I was like inches away from just it's midnight. I'm watching this show because I can't go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm about to get up and drive me to some snows. Yeah, man. Is there, are there, do you do barbecue over there, Royal? Do you, is it, California's not really a big barbecue place. No, it's not. And I've, I've had barbecue in Texas and it's, it's tons better than what's out here. Um, if I do see a barbecue out here, it's just kind of drowned in sauce, right? So I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really know how good the meat is. Oh, um, that's too bad. Yeah. So anytime I'm out in Texas, I'll, I'll take a, uh, you know, any chance I get, I'll get barbecue in Texas. Oh yeah. Well, not only that, y'all got that California beef. You don't have the Kansas City beef, um, but it's all corn-fed and fatty and loved by some farmer, <laughs> right? It's all this grass-fed stuff that's like got to be pure and, and nutritious. Man, so in in doing your um, your wireless your wireless work. How you you talk about traveling? Where where all have you traveled to, man? What all where all have you been? Um, so I, I do a lot of uh, work, consulting work with different companies, and so that tends to get, bring me to wherever they have their offices. So I've I was in San Antonio not too long ago. Um, I was only there for about a day, and then uh, Southern California. I've been to Pennsylvania. That was a that's an interesting place to go to for for Wi-Fi where in the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. So I, I've been all over to um, Boston. Boston was one of my favorite places. Boston. Boston. Why was Boston one of your favorite places? I just like the history of the United States. So I, I checked out some historic places um, and New York too. So I went to New York for the first time right before the pandemic. Oh, cool. What part? Right there in New York City, or yeah, right that downtown New York. Oh wow, Manhattan. Yep. So I try to make the nice. most of, of my time there. I kind of went to uh, where did I go? I don't even know where I went. Honestly, was, already I feel like February was so long ago. I can't. I remember. know, man. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy. This year has been five years. Um, (laughs) man it has it's shaved a lot of years off of my life (laughs) yeah no joke man so go ahead i i never really have felt my age until this year (laughs) all of a sudden i feel 45 and and it's full weight Mm. Mm, mm, mm. i know you're talking about the other day you're barely getting back into the gym man that's well that's kind of promising yeah, you, well, I, I had taken, you know, m- most of the beginning of COVID, the gym was closed down. You couldn't get to it. So I was doing at-home workouts and running around the neighborhood to, to not 
become, become a fat ass. Uh, but what'll happen is I'll, I'll go, you know, I used to go five days a week, every day, no big deal. Sometimes six, uh, just part of my lifestyle. And it kind of dropped off to where I was only going three. And then the last two weeks I didn't go, I was so busy and so tired all the time, uh, because I wasn't getting good sleep that I didn't go at all the last two weeks. So today's what today's Wednesday. So I've, I've been able to go three days this week and, uh, I'm, I'm sitting in there with all these yoked guys, you know, that are probably juicing. I don't know what they're doing. They're younger than me by at least 15 years and they all, they're all buff and they're, their body still reacts properly to, to weight and force. Whereas so automatically my, they're juicing because they, right. they still have all their testosterone and they still have well. all, right. <laughs> and, 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 and my testosterone is, uh, I'm at the age of starting to drop. I've never been able to build muscle anyway. It's always been a challenge for my genetic structure. So I'm sitting there going like, man, I'm, I'm a, I am a turd next to all these guys, but you got to go in and get it done, man. You got to get it done. I'm just trying to stay young and be healthy and not have a heart attack. (laughs) Exactly. I hear that, man. So if you could relive or rewatch any part of your life as though it was a sitcom, what what show would it most be like? I love this question. I love this question. Uh, you, You know that show Everyone Hates Chris? Yeah, <laughs> I love that show. Oh man, that um, you know, going through school, having having issues. I got a younger brother, so dealt with that. <laughs> um, it, my life isn't as like as um interesting as how other people's lives have been. I I lived a pretty average normal life um my my dad was in the navy so uh i've been to a, a, a couple of places but i i didn't really do much right I, I went to school i tried to get good grades i was getting good grades for a while and then until i realized i don't want to be doing this kind of thing and then <laughs> as i got my my bachelor's it kind of dipped down uh where i failed some classes but then got back into it but uh, I would say my childhood has been pretty good, um, pretty stable, good. Uh, nothing that I didn't I didn't uh, express any like heartache or or sadness. It was pretty average. Uh, it was good, good childhood. What what music got through your top? I want to know what you were listening to or what you were watching that it was so chill. <laughs> Uh, I listened to what my parents would listen to. So I still listen to oldies. Okay. Right? So, I mean, I was listening to that in the car today, just listening to old music. Cause I just, I like the lyrics and the, the, the melodies of, of oldies, but today's music doesn't really resonate with me that, that well. And maybe I'm just listening to the wrong music. I should, maybe I shouldn't be listening to the top hits. Uh, you should not, no. you should yeah. never be. So, so I, I have two responses to that. And the first one is, um, I need you to answer stone Zeppelin or Beatles. Uh, Beatles. Beatles. Oh, Amen, oh, brother. Beatles. Okay. Is good stuff. Are you talking, 60s. are you talking old school Beatles, black and white? Or are you talking after rubber soul? Uh, see, I'm not that big of a fan of Beatles to even know. Um, the the most recent memory I have of Beatles is watching that movie yesterday, mm-hmm. and I I really like rewatching that movie because they incorporate the Beatles music very um, well, very well with the movie. That that's the kind of Beatles I like to listen to. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you're more of a rubber soul and after kind of guy. <laughs> that's Have when you ever they, been to the? Or go ahead. That's that's when they start getting a, you know, experimental and, and laying down those deep tracks. Have you ever been to one of those uh, Cirque du Soleil's that has the Beatles music playing? I don't. Uh, I remember being to one, but I don't think it was Beatles that was playing. Okay. Okay. Um, let's but see. My, my range of music, like I can listen to any kind of um, of song or genre. Like one of my favorites is just listening to Queen a lot. Okay. Uh, just yeah, Queen's good. Love that music. So are you talking about like doo-wop oldies? Or are you talking? I mean, you, yeah, you, you threw. No, nah, he's the, ta- he's talking sixties and seventies oldies. Okay, okay. Yeah. 60s, okay. 70s, 80s, and then stop there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to don't even bring up air supply. Don't get this guy started on that. Just, just don't. <laughs> no, you need to, uh, there, and I'm with you. There's a lot. Most most new music doesn't resonate with me either, but I, I did. I have I have uh, fallen in love with uh, the White Stripes, Strokes, and Black Keys. Um, I'm a big fan of those, and I think you can... You might find some value in it. I don't know. I, I was listening to a lot of Jason Mraz um, up until okay. mm-hmm. like his most recent albums where I felt he got even weirder than he was. Um, so I, I like guitar and good good melodies, uh, good lyrics. I, I try to find good lyrics uh, in, in music. Uh, so if they're not like, – like rap music, for example. I, I like rap music, but the the – the old rap music, not today's mm-hmm. rap, because there's no, there's, I don't even know what they're talking about in today's rap music. They well, just that's because that's because now you're old. It's that rhyme, right? That's all they're just throwing random things into it. But yeah, it's I was gonna say story in there. Yeah, I was gonna say too, like with that, you may or may not like uh, Lana Del Rey's early early stuff. It was pretty good. Yeah, I like Lana Del Rey. I, I don't listen to her regularly, but yeah, I, I have heard her music. Yeah, it was crazy because I remember um, hearing her for the very first time on uh, NPR's Tiny Desk. I don't know if you've ever checked those concerts out. They're really good. Like they'll have uh, acoustic versions. I mean, Alicia Keys has been on there. Um, who else has been? I mean, The Roots has been on there. This is a, a lot of segment where they perform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can find them all on YouTube as well. Um, Tiny Desk. Yeah, Tiny Desk Concerts. Oh. Um, great, great stuff that they have on there. And I find a lot of new artists. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure the Strokes have been on there. Um, they, they have a lot of just really, really good artists. And they're all, you know, live sets there. And they are literally in a very small, like, <laughs> cubicle space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's great. It's great. Yeah, check them out if you get a chance. Yeah, we'll do. So you talked about, um, you know, you, you had a pretty good childhood. Um, how do you think your childhood molded what your fatherhood is now? Yeah, like going through and looking back at how my childhood was, how I was with other people how people treated me and how I treated other people today. It's more, I'm more about respecting other people. Even if they are very disrespectful to you, I'm still pretty respectful and not 
combative because I, I try to understand maybe somebody's situation like why are they acting this way and so that's how I try to tell that to my kids is always always put up a positive attitude and a helpful attitude versus um, where, where kids tend to be uh, closed off right or mean very mean to each other because I've gone through that I've been bullied several times and maybe I've bullied somebody so I try I've, I've tried to parent my children that way as well and and my my son has gone through some things at school where he's gotten in trouble for it and and one of the stories that I remember coming home from work where I was told my son got into an altercation with another kid and this is maybe like third grade and they were on the monkey bars and you know everyone kind of has to take a turn and maybe somebody went out of turn and caused some ruckus and i guess my son tried to knock him off the monkey bars oh which i was going to be pretty mad about because i'm like what if he falls on his head or something like Mm -hmm. that but it was a complete opposite he accidentally pulled down his shorts so he's just hanging there with his shorts down and oh that created a whole different issue where he was embarrassed and and all of this and he so got, someone did this to your kid or your kid, no, did, this kid to someone? did it to another one. Oh no <laughs> and so I'm, so you know like it's pretty harmless but i mean they're third graders and of yeah. course i wanted to laugh because i thought it was <laughs> Right. Honestly, I thought that was funny. It's better than him falling on his head, right? Yeah. It, it sounds sure. to me like it sounds to me like that kid had it coming, though. I mean, <laughs> you gotta learn. You gotta he learn your your did. role. But I try to tell my son like, there's different ways to handle it. Like, I know you probably didn't even purposely try to pull his pants down, but you were probably going for something more harmful, which is pulling him down and hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, hurting it's, both of you differently this time, which was an emotional hurt, and so everyone saw it, and he got embarrassed, and so yeah, he's he's not. Happy. So when that happens, I have him write like an apology letter, and I make sure he gives it to them and tells them sincerely, like, uh, like that that he knows what whatever he did was wrong. So I have him explain it. Go, I'm sorry, I pulled down your shorts and embarrassed you in front of everyone because I, I i turn it around on him and i always go what if he did that to you mm-hmm. do you right. like that like what, what would you do if he did that to you how would you feel and and so it's just me trying to get him to think about the situations and you know it's it's very difficult even at that age to try to comprehend all of that in the yeah moment. yeah right. at, at third grade level you know most kids are not recognize they don't really have a lot of empathy unless they're built yeah. with it you know unless god gave gave them empathy the from gift. scratch <laughs> it's not they don't think outside of their bubble like right. that so that's it's a gonna happen and i just try to teach him the lesson like it's gonna happen uh and i and it's always like okay when you get older it's gonna be worse <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna have true. That's true. I I guarantee you one thing: that kid is never ever gonna cut in any line, probably for the rest of his okay. life. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know God works in mysterious ways, and I think maybe he that even God was teaching that kid a lesson. You know, Absolutely. don't be a turd. Don't yep. be a turd. Your son was a vehicle. <laughs> so I'd I'd be proud. It's up to that I mean, other kid to learn that lesson too. You know, because if he if it doesn't stick with him. 
And, you know, one day he's going to be at the club and he's going to cut in front of somebody. And that might be the end of his yeah. uh, clubbing career. Yeah. We'll be pulling down shorts uh, when you're an adult. It's something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, as, as, it's so funny that, that you said at the club because I was uh, I, don't, I never clubbed. I was never a club kid, but uh, I would go out to bars in college once I became of age. And I did pull down some guy's pants at a bar one time. <laughs> I don't want to know where that story is going, so just stop there. No, I was trying to embarrass him because he was being a bully. Oh, He, he was being a bully, and uh, he wanted to get in a fight with me because I was a little guy, and I was a loudmouth. Shocker! Uh, mm. uh, there it is. So, gotta, so that's the other way. That's the other thing with parenting, right, is – is sometimes um, what well, what I've learned as a kid, or the way my parents have told me is, if someone's bullying, you just tell them to stop, right? Like that's how they told me. I'm like, that's just not how it works. That does not work. If I say stop, the other person doesn't go, all right, you told me to stop, I will stop. Yeah, no. So I tell my kids, <laughs> I tell my son, tell him to stop three times. Mm-hmm. There you he go. Stop after the third time, and he's still bothering you. Then you could take it to the next level. <laughs> that's sir. Yep. That's that's a maybe a little more pacifist than I am because I got whooped a lot um, by by I got I got bullied a lot as a kid, and uh, I've taught my kids that you know if anyone puts just you know make sure they don't get into your physical space, back up as much as you can. Yeah. But if they put hands on you, your yeah. job is to is to dirt stomp them. Yeah. Protect yourself at that point. Yeah, because words won't really help you <laughs> when, right. when a physical altercation is about to happen. And it's, it's just hard to teach them this at such a young age that um, they can't analyze. I mean, it happens to adults, too. You can't just you cannot analyze a whole situation quickly enough and make the right decision at that time. Like you're, you're right. more likely to make the wrong decision. But yeah. you, you have to be uh, what's the word? Pre prescient. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Nice. That's good. Well no, it's, done. Well it's done. one of those conversations you have to reinforce over time. Like you can't tell them at three, hey, if a kid if a kid, you know, pushes you or slaps you or punches you, then you have every right to um, protect yourself. You have to repeat that over and over throughout yeah. their life. Yeah. That was not ever the message I got. I, I, I didn't get that message. I, I, I grew up in a very Christian home and it was always turn the other cheek and that's what I always did. So I was bullied and I was turning the other cheek the whole time. And finally my dad said, listen, you've taken this, me this message too far. Uh, you've taken this pulpit message too far and now you're getting picked on. So uh, you should not ever start a fight, but if you don't end the fight, I'm going to whoop you when you get home. And I, I started standing up for myself and kicking ass, even though I was always the small guy. Yeah. Uh, I hit a kid in the face with a math book and busted his lip and busted his nose. And, uh, I hope he learns math in the process. He may have, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some, some ones and twos, ones and He's zeros. He's got Pythagorean's <laughs> theorem still on his jaw. Well, he was shocked because he had been picking on me for years, like since we were little kids. And all of a sudden I hit him with a math book and those things are thick. So he must and, have uh, physics then. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I never heard from him again. Sometimes that's how it works. My yeah, it really brother does. was getting bullied too. And having been through what he did, I said, you know what? Once they like don't even wait like the three times thing. Just once they do something, just stop it and maybe just hit them. Like if this guy has been 
bothering you for so long, just punch him in the face. And then like it's out of nowhere and it'll surprise him. And he, he did it one time and it worked. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. You know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's what I was, Mike Tyson says. That was exactly what I was about to say. And I think I'm going to frame that and put that in my my workspace area because the kids come in there you know and like we learned the other day we didn't think about it until we heard it you know being brought but uh icky soma was on the podcast with us a while back and he said something so profound more is caught than taught right so even though we're we're trying to you know give a pathway for our kids to be the bigger and better person whenever they're being confronted with someone trying to do these things at the end of the day what is it that you're doing you know we're we're driving down the road we start our fists go up in the air and we're you know getting ready you know aggravated getting ready to spout off some curse word or something and they see that, you yeah. know, and we turn around and say, oh, you know, you're supposed to be a, a good Christian. You're supposed <laughs> to be a good person. But, you know, hey, dad, I saw you get rowdy, you know, and uh, man. So, you know, with with uh, sayings like that, hey, everybody does have a plan till you get punched in the face, man. That should resonate down to the bone. See, right? that 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 story is kind of funny because that actually happened to me. I used to be an angry driver. And I would get ticked off at people and I would I would I would yell at them through the windshield as if they could hear me and I would ride their ass. If I was in the fast lane and they were going slow, I would ride I would ride right up on them at a not very safe distance. And I would just be that dick driver on the road. And uh, after a while, I noticed, you know, if somebody did something weird on the road, my kids would start yelling at them. Oh. oh, man. And I was like, oh, no, I'm making bad drivers. I'm making angry road rage drivers. And at that at that moment, I had a, a switch flipped and I absolutely changed my entire driving style and pattern and, and, you know, getting a little bit more zen on the road and not having that aggravation, realizing that I'm, I'm just with another thousand people that are also trying to get home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and you don't know the other person's situation, right? Like maybe they are going home because they have to and maybe they're late for something. Maybe it's that. Yeah. Maybe that. they're texting on the phones. Yeah. yeah. Or, is, or the, <laughs> just probably 80 per, 80% of the time I was, I was coming home. Yeah, yeah. I was coming home from work today and I, and I was in, you know, I was in the far left lane. I was trucking, I was trying to get home and this gal was, had intermittent speed. You know, she would get up to 75 and down to 65 and, and down to 55 and up to 70 and uh, we were, you know, in Houston, you get a lot of semis. So we were kind of boxed in by semis and she was doing it just perfectly to keep me from being able to get around her. Pastor, yeah. and, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to be patient here. And after, after about 10 miles, I was able to get by her and I looked over and yeah, she had her phone up and she was just talking. She wasn't there. She wasn't present. She was talking on the phone and just, just going forward. Wow. You know, yeah. nothing was a danger to her because there was nobody in front of her. Yeah. So she, she was fine. There's people behind her. <laughs> yeah. yeah she 15. was probably telling someone on the phone, I should not have had that big gulp before I left the office. Now I've really got to pee and I can't <laughs> hold my foot down on the gas because it hurts. Well, that's why you always keep a bottle in the car, brother. <laughs> well, yeah, that goes for us, but I don't think they can do that. <laughs> the, the last time I had to, um, to go 
in a bottle was on a about a 10 hour drive and uh it was one of those tiny gatorade bottles with the small hole uh. and it wasn't the big hole and uh <laughs> it did not work out in my favor <laughs> it was like i'm driving at like 4 a.m in the morning oh, so it's dark outside and uh it it was not uh, a good experience it didn't go well Ugh, all over the floor i if any of it made it to the floor instead of my instead of my pants i'll be surprised oh my goodness yikes yikes all right well cool uh Roel, man, I want to give you the the opportunity, man. If you got, uh, I know you you have your uh, your business that you do, um, and then you also have a podcast, man. If you want to talk about that, yeah. give us. Yeah, I mean, we want we we want those three German people we have and that one Russian guy to listen to your podcast, man. <laughs> He's over there drinking Mama Yakso's vodka. Mama Yakso's vodka. Oh man, vodka. Let me tell you about some vodka stuff. <laughs> All right, here we go. Settle in. Round I've never liked vodka since I was, I don't know, 21. I used to work with this guy who always, I don't know, for some reason he always had a bottle of Popov. And oh. that is the worst vodka I've ever had. It's like the <laughs> cheapest. It's, it's tainted me. So I've never really, I, I never really have a drink with vodka in it anymore because of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably for the best because vodka's really not good, good alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Even the really good stuff's not very good. Yeah, I stick to like the whiskeys, and and so on a good day, I'll just be drinking wine or water. But you know, on those rough days, need a little bit of extra strength to to get through. But uh, if anyone wants to follow follow me, I do have a Wi-Fi centric podcast with a co-host. Uh, his name is Francois Verges over in. Canada, it's cleartosend.net. If you want to learn about Wi-Fi and hear Wi-Fi stories, that's where we talk about it. And I do run a consulting business where I actually consult on Wi-Fi and help enterprises um, deploy it, troubleshoot it, uh, and resell equipment. So uh, Cisco, Meraki, and Juniper. Inunaki. <laughs> we can't go a podcast without talking about Inunaki, man. Absolutely, man. It's Inunaki. You don't know what Inunaki is? Oh. Oh, the <laughs> History goodness. Channel. So this is a, what is it, a race of alien beings? It's a race of alien beings that theoretically uh, uh, manufactured man and spliced Splice Pro Magnon Man with their DNA and created Modern Man mm -hmm. in order to help mine the gold on Earth until it kind of got out of hand and, and we had too much awareness. And then they just kind of uh, let us run free and populate the Earth. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a yeah, whole it's crazy, weird man. theory it's about so it. It's, it's the coolest sci-fi you'll ever read. And there are people out there that wholeheartedly yes. believe it like a religion. Check oh. out the History Channel and Ancient Aliens. History Channel. And you <laughs> will get a kick out don't, of that. Don't even do that. Just type in Anunnaki, <laughs> A-N-N-U-K-I, and read that because there's, I mean, they legitimately have this. In, in cognito mode first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't want the FBI thinking like, okay, this guy. Uh, but yeah, it's like they've got this concept that it's this alien race and they devastated their own planet and they came to earth and then they mined all the gold because that's what they use for fuel oh, 
Marvel and then they moved on to another planet. Oh, yeah, yeah it absolutely. Is. There you go. There's your Loki. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. totally. It's, it's, a, it's amazing uh, science fiction. It really is. If you, if, you, if you don't fall in the rabbit hole and start thinking, yeah, you know, these guys are right, um, it's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> and they fit it in with the Sumerian text and they fit it in with biblical text. Uh, it kind of it's one of those nebulous things that can kind of fit into any culture's um, historical text. It's really cool. And they may have been prescient. One hundred percent prescient. Yes. Anytime I hear a word that has any resemblance to Aki, and you said Meraki, it was like trigger my pupils dilated. Anunnaki. And uh, yeah, sorry. Maybe that's no. who created Meraki. Who knows? Oh, hey. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Let's just add to the theories. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. They, they created Wi-Fi. There you go. Oh. They made Wi-Fi. They, 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 that's, how, that's how the alien ships fly, actually. It's all based <laughs> off of <laughs> Wi-Fi packets that bounce off of Earth and lift them up. <laughs> They're the original three channels that have right. been floating through space. Yeah. Three Eight ships. They're Eight not, o- what we call them ship one. <laughs> oh, man. 80211. Oh my God, this guy. <laughs> All right. Roel, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. I hope you had a lot of fun. I certainly did, especially hearing about your adventures in the French laundry. Um, I've been thinking about picking up that cookbook just because I hear so many great things about it. Um, and man, thank you again so much. Shane, crazy. As Holy always. cow. Thanks yeah. for having me. Uh, yeah, and we will wrap it up for tonight, and hopefully everybody joins us for the next one. Let's play that dope exit music. Good night. To the floor. I'm, if any of it made it to the floor instead of my instead of my pants, I'll be surprised. I used to work at McDonald's. Does that count? Absolutely, yeah. that counts. <laughs>